Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash Potters in Control. So, on Monday, Wall Street had a nice sheen to it, which means today we're lupining after the more innocent time of the 80s because Gecko was small fry compared to what's in store today. From 2013, we're doing The Wolf of Wall Street. My name is Jordan Belfort. The year I turned 26, I made $49 million, which really pissed me off because it was three shy of a million a week. We're making a name for ourselves. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. You know what a fugazi is? Fugazi. It's a fake. Yeah, fugazi, fugazi. It's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a fairy dust. Was all this legal? Absolutely not. We were making more money than we knew what to do with. We don't work for you, man. Yeah, my money take to your boobs. Technically, you do work for me. What's wrong, Daddy? Oh my God. FBI. Any kind of booze you might want. No, the bureau forbids us from drinking. Duh. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Wall Street or The Wolf of Wall Street? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. you got to feed the geese to keep the blood flowing. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Good. Good. Yeah, great. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Febru Fanny continues, <laughs> a.k.a. Clash Butters in control. I know I said on Monday it was your last chance to email us, but I think today is actually the last chance. So I, I jumped the gun slightly, uh, but this really is it now. This is <laughs> there's no, no more, no more. No more options after this. You know, fresh out of time. Email us now. If you have this thing, there's maybe one space left. If you, uh, well, two, because it has to be a clash. If you have two movies you want to clash on the show, email us show at clashpod.com. And if we don't do it in this season of Clash Brothers in Control, then we'll do it in the next one. Tell us the movies you want clashed, why you want them clashed, and what connects them. Also, did you say if we don't do it in this season, we'll do it in next season? Yeah. 
But we've got 440 so far. I know. That's a lot for us to get through, especially with some of the crap. Right. Well, you, do you want to continue it into March? Okay. No, I just don't or, want to guarantee we'll do every or, film next year. You don't want to do this podcast for the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. That's, well, I'm, I'm more than lacking commitment. Not, listener, not listener suggestions <laughs> for the rest of my life. I know, but we're Chris, don't say things like not that. When, not when they're films we've done already. Chris is having a hard time not being in control. <laughs> yeah. Of what I love it. I really doing. like it. Every week it's been good, hasn't it? Yeah. It has been great. These have been great suggestions. Thank you very much for your suggestions. They've been great. If we do carry it on into March, so what are we calling it? If it's February funny, <laughs> What's it, Farch? <laughs> no, it's not Farch. Farch it is. Great. He doesn't like it. It's Farch. And also, thank you for the lovely emails that came with so many suggestions because just really nice messages about what the podcast means to people. That's nice. Mm. It's nice. You pulled it back, Chris. So uh, if you haven't subscribed, oh, do you want to tell us uh, who you found a reason for the, the, the pairing? Yeah, you? Chris Bauman, who sent it to us in 2020, this suggestion, um, he did put a reason. So he said, Wolf of Wall Street, amazing film, should have been Oscar winning for Leo's performance. Lots of backstage facts and directed by the great Scorsese. One of my personal favourite films ever versus Wall Street for obvious reasons. But greed is good. Certainly fits both film and the life excess and tone. A solid fits. Plus Charlie Sheen's segue on your podcast would be amazing in itself. I think all these work together and would love to hear your opinions and walk through in your own personal styles also the sexism and exploitation on show would surely be enough to send Vicky off on one <laughs> go off on one on Monday actually well they're barely in it are they so <laughs> yeah true are we going to get some uh, some choice moments today I have a bit of a blind spot for Margot Robbie because she's so fucking beautiful so it's hard for I objectify her as much as anyone mm. which is problematic for my feminism I have a great story it's not for the pod uh, <laughs> have you got a number <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, but I like the fact that you thought I might <laughs> I did <laughs> you did you did that's my takeaway oh no actually I don't weirdly yeah, very strange I did, but I lost it. So. <laughs> different form. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was just—I got rid of it. I was like, I don't need this. Why are you fucking ringing me all the time, Margot. Please. <laughs> uh, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us, if you'd be kind enough to do that on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, that would be massively appreciated by the three of us. And if you are able to give us a little rating and review, we'd be very grateful. And if you do leave us a review, it could be read out on the show by the wonderful Chris Tilly, aka Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. This comes from Nevy Smith, and it takes a dark turn at the end. This review. How dark? So Nevi writes, This podcast is genius. Vicky, Chris and Zane inject matey banter, laughs and expert insight into every show. If you ever see me in my car alone snorting with laughter, it's guaranteed I'm listening to Clash of the Titles. It has to be said, however, that Vicky's abject hatred of animals means if we are ever in a plane crash together, we are eating her first. Sheer brilliance, five stars. Would I be dead? <laughs> no. Nope. Oh, God. I just wasn't and expecting we'd, that. We'd eat you from the toes up. <laughs> that review had a twist worthy of Shyamalan. <laughs> Did not see that coming. If I'm dead, you're welcome to help yourselves, guys. Well, guys uh, Chris, Chris and I will make that decision. <laughs> the... About whether or not I'm dead. I'm <laughs> I'm not dead. Has She's definitely survived? dead. Is everyone all right? Shh. <laughs> oh, I like the idea that we've got a private jet flying between live show and live show <laughs> with, with with listeners. Yeah. Double the fun. Oh, great stuff. Thank you for that review. That's lovely. Right then, on Monday, Vicky. Uh, oh shit this is last week's script um, on Monday <laughs> oh here we are Rob Burgundy's back <laughs> Go just, just talk about last week's films great on Monday Vicky got out which means <laughs> hide as you might Chris Tilly will find you <laughs> Victoria take us on a journey <laughs> 
Greed is good, but Quaaludes are better? I've never really fancied Quaaludes, to be honest, but that's because I hold a full pilot's license and know not to mess around with old drugs. Unlike Jordan Belfort, the titular wolf of Wall Street, who, when he's not busy fleecing poor people out of their life savings, is busy fleecing rich people out of whatever they call their money and taking all the drugs and dribbling and still be weirdly hot because he is Leonardo DiCaprio. And none of this is a problem because this is not a tale of one man's excess ultimately bringing about his downfall. This is the tale of the law slowly catching up with someone who started a scammer, did more scamming and ended a scammer, which even with the liberal application of voiceover, it's not crystal clear how you actually pull that off. But it is clear that Quaaludes make you sleepy and hilarious, so who cares? There you go. Thanks very much. Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration. Yeah. The Wolf of Wall Street. Street. (laughs) (laughs) Briefly, forgot. So, I went to the cinema to see this. Um, and I only remember, I mean, I, I, I remember it's long and all the rest of the usual sort of expected stuff. But obviously the place went absolutely crazy with laughter two precise times, which you will be able to guess are Steve Madden and John Hill trying to say Steve Madden for quite a long time. <laughs> and Leonardo DiCaprio trying to get in his car. Like the place <laughs> went nuts. But also I remember the weight of the silence when Margot Robbie as Naomi says to Jordan Belfort, I'm just going to go and slip into something more comfortable, which I don't think she actually says, but she's like, I'll be back in a minute. And she comes back in and she's not wearing any clothes. Mm-hmm. She's wearing stockings, mm-hmm. I think, and possibly shoes. And everyone was just like, oh my God, because it was it was unexpected. And she just, it's very distracting. Uh, and that's my memory. What about you? Uh, this watch would have been the third time I watched it. My first time was at a screening, and you mentioned last time about how quiet screenings can be. We don't whoop, we don't mm. cheer in press screenings of movies, but like you just said, Victoria, people did go mad for the Quaalude scene. Yeah. The Quaalude scene was just like uh, hysterics yeah. in the cinema. It was sort of it lost its potency, like those Quaaludes um, this time round for me. But I do remember thinking it was really, 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 really crazy funny yeah. the first time I saw it. And uh, beyond that, I do remember thinking this is something special. But I also remember going, this is way too fucking long. Mm. I felt like a tour of duty by the final third. Yep, I agree. What about you? Did you host the premiere of this one? I did. Yeah, I went to the premiere of this oh, one. Oh, really? Do you remember? I spoke to you from the red carpet. Was that the premiere mm. where you did that absolutely twat thing of going, can you take a photo mm. while I'm working? So I'm on stage mm. interviewing people. Chris turns up, drunk. And I was not <laughs> drunk. I was not drunk. <laughs> and you were between guests. And he, he's, he's got a, a, a female guest with him. And he's like, oh, Alex. Didn't know him at this point. Come down here. <laughs> come down here off your stage and, a, and take a photo this is such an of exaggeration me and, what actually and, happened. and my female guest. Take a photo. No, I don't like that photo. Take another photo. That's, this is all, this is all DiCaprio made up now. This is all was made waiting up. to be interviewed by me. And in the end, I missed my slot <laughs> with Leonardo DiCaprio so because I was true. taking photos so of Chris. So not true. She was a Playboy model. I wanted a photo. Well, why did Alex have to take the photo? Oh, because it's a power move. Is that what it was? Yep. He's like, I can make this man do this thing. Yeah. Cool, good and for I, you, Chris. I, I, I recalled that memory after I'd signed up to do the show. <laughs> had I remembered. <laughs> it was a good night. Yeah, so I went to the premiere and <laughs> yeah, I, thought it was, I thought it was excellent. Like, I felt like we were coming off of Shutter Island and Hugo, which were two sort of second tier Scorsese movies. Yeah. No, and I was, no, no, no. I was hoping to see him back to his best. Like, I wanted to see him doing something that wasn't just, you know, a kid's film or 
a fine thriller. Mm-hmm. Shutter Island is amazing. Shutter Island is great, Scorsese. I agree, Hugo is bollocks, but it's <laughs> Shutter it, Island is fantastic. Yeah, it's not top tier though. That you've but got you've tier. got this Premier League of of Taxi Driver and Goodfellas, and I feel like this, you know, had the possibility of being up there. So yeah, it was a it was an exciting night to be there, and I very much enjoyed it. Oh well, that's a lovely. See, he had a nice time, and you had a terrible time when you first met, and that's a, it's a, you know it's a shame. He had a nice time because he watched a good film. He didn't have a nice time. <laughs> I mean, he probably had a nice time going. Yeah, did you see what I did to him? I made him take a. Photo photo of us and then the girl I was with got in a fight with Sean Bean's ex-wife so <laughs> wow a physical fight uh, she, yeah she got thrown out of the bar we were in no yeah and oh, then you married her did you, <laughs> why did you find out why yeah why <laughs> it's not good let's it talk was, about it after yeah, okay <laughs> he, was, he was he was rubbish and don't speak <laughs> you're so rock and roll and you do not look it it's very I'm, it's I'm surprising you are you're a complicated guy don't say a word. What was the Britney Murphy movie where Sean Bean gets crushed in a ditch? It really doesn't matter. But I it, don't know. It was, it was that, but let's move on. Right, okay. let's talk about this film instead. So, this is... Have you watched Snowpiercer? Why Sean do... Bean. He's very good in it. Go on, Victoria. Game of Thrones. I've not seen it. No. Okay. Uh, anyway, is it so, good? Uh, it's all right. <laughs> he's, he's, in it, he's in it for all ten, is he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They I'll, don't kill him off straight I'll, away. I'll give it a watch then. <laughs> so this is written by Terence Winter, based on Jordan Belfort's book, The Wolf of Wall Street. So in 1999, Jordan Belfort and his associate, Danny Porush, they were indicted for money laundering and securities fraud. Uh, Jordan Belfort was sentenced to four years in prison. He served 22 months in prison. So he writes a book, a 2007 book, which tells all about the fun and games he got up to that landed his ass in jail. And everybody goes nuts for this book. Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, through their respective production companies, both want it. But Leo wins and Jordan Belfort makes a million dollars for the option, which is fucking pocket change to him. He probably needed it then, but still. Um, DiCaprio takes it to Warner's. They line up Martin Scorsese. That's how Terence Winter then gets on board to do the adaptation. Uh, Terence Winter had done Boardwalk Empire which I haven't seen, but everyone says is amazing. Uh, anyway, so then this is all good. You know, you're lining up your sort of holy trinity, um, but things slow down. Um, and Martin Scorsese says he wasted about five months of his life trying to move this thing forward. The script ends up on the blacklist of unproduced, the best unproduced scripts of that year in 2007. And it's just not moving forward. So Martin Scorsese goes off to do Shutter Island. Great film. Which is a brilliant film. Brilliant. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I, I agree with Chris. So it's not, it's not Premier League. I know, but Premier League is obviously so high up. Yeah. It doesn't, it make, he made it sound like... Mm. Yeah, but it's this, by the same man. So he's capable I of... No, I just, I think it was because he lumped it in with Hugo. I okay. think I, hearing those two back to back, like Shutter Island and Hugo, it's like, no. Second tier. <laughs> Hugo's third tier, though. Hugo, basically, Hugo's not in the same tier as Shutter Island, then I'll leave it. Okay. Fine. Fine. We're we good? We're good with we that? We can have another division. I don't, I don't care. You don't care, Chris? I think we need four leagues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like football. So, <laughs> I like football. <laughs> <laughs> We're the red and blue army. <laughs> We're the footballers. <laughs> I already forgot this. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. It should be based on a famous song. It's, the white, it's the white Stripes. I know. <laughs> uh, that's Jack White. <laughs> no, it's not. It's the White Stripes. He wrote the riff. Go on. <laughs> he's looking at his face like, don't come for me with fucking white stripes. You dare. No one knows Jack White like I do. Well, you're going to let him get away with that. So, suddenly, poor Meg, she's been sidelined. She was in the band. She played the drums, but Shut now up. it's all Jack White. Shut up, Meg. <laughs> it doesn't need drums, this song. Piss off home. Okay. 
So anyway, if I could have your attention just sure, for sure. the next sort of 45 minutes. It's 2010. Warner still have it. Ridley Scott is mentioned. He doesn't do it because he loves Prometheus for some reason. Five stars. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the sun. <laughs> anyway, so it goes into Turnaround. It's then acquired by an indie called Red Granite. Uh, now, Red Granite, they've got the finance. They've got $100 million. Uh, we will just come back to that in a second. They get Marty back because they've got the finance and they won't interfere in the same way that a studio would because they're an indie. So where they got that $100 million from has, in the intervening years between 2013 and now, been, let's say, much discussed. Um, so this is from... I think the Wall Street Journal, so I can say this. So the company, Red Granite, faced allegations that they use illicit funds and shell companies in order to finance their films. In 2017, the US Justice Department wanted to seize future royalties uh, to take possession of the assets that they said were purchased with illicit funds, including royalties from the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, it was, I think in 2020, the charges were dropped in exchange for the return of the assets. So it's all resolved itself, but it did get quite hectic for a while. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio had to testify in court. The producer had to testify it all got a bit crazy. Isn't it? Isn't its legacy that it brought down the then Malaysian prime minister, though? He was also summoned, yes, because it was his. Stepson. I think it was it right. It was his stepson who, and it was money that was intended for a government fund in Malaysia, yeah, allegedly, allegedly that yeah. he ended up using on the film. Yeah. And uh, the fallout was um, his stepdad lost his uh, position lost in the government. His job, mm. yeah, it's crazy, really. When you think about it, I mean, these things do happen. It's uh, you know. You, it's a lot of money you're trying to raise to make a film. Uh, I don't know, you know, is where is the due diligence? You, if someone says they've got it, you know, I, can't, I guess you believe that. So, um, and then a little bit about casting. So, uh, obviously, it would always be Leo because it's his production company. Margot Robbie, first major role, um, which I mentioned because she just made a massive impression on me. I, I'm a very big fan of Margot Robbie, not just because, not being ridiculous, not because of just what she looks like. I do think she's incredible. Did you hear about the audition, how they, she believes she got the gig? Did she take all her clothes off? No. Okay. No. Uh, she was uh, meant to kiss Leonardo DiCaprio at the end of the scene that they were doing. It was an argument, but the script read that she had to kiss him and instead she slapped him around the face. And Ooh, they lovely. were like, apparently the room went very quiet and they were like, but actually that's quite good. That's why I like her. Yeah. Mm. Take your shot. It's brilliant. Uh, so John Hill, he really wanted the role. Um, he did audition for it, even though... I don't. I don't think Martin Scorsese was like completely sold on it, but he he just smashed it out of the park in the audition. So that goes to him. Julie Andrews was mentioned for Aunt Emma, which like I love seeing Joanna Lumley in this film, but it is all a bit unnecessary, I think. Mm. Um, so we'll come back to that. Yeah, Jonah Hill only got paid. I say only. Yeah, he got paid the the lowest possible SAG rate. He got paid was, scale. Yeah. Yeah, sixty sixty thousand dollars, I think. But yeah. He was like, it's fine, because at this point, this was. So is this before Moneyball? No, I think this is after Moneyball. Yeah, he's already been an Oscar-nominated yeah. actor, I yeah. think, hasn't he? It's very strange. But he yeah. desperately wanted to work with Scorsese and he sort of said, I just don't care. I'll do it for 60K. Yeah, and he's brilliant yeah. in it. And his agent went, what? Yes, say, the it. fuck? <laughs> Let me take the calls. <laughs> <Yeah>. Me. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's as much as You know as what I've 20% got. of 60 grand is? 20%? Uh, 15%? Are you paid 20%? <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. 20% of nothing, still nothing. And that's only the word that I put through him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. A little bit inside baseball, but I love that. It's really funny for me. <laughs> yep. 
God, if he hears that, he's going to be really mad. <laughs> well, he's going to check. And then I'm going to be in trouble. You won't be making this podcast anymore. <laughs> All right, so. It's not worth me taking any percent from this, <laughs> is what he actually said. I'll let you have that. Really? That being... <laughs> don't just call it that. It's a fee. Is it? Uh, let's talk about the film before you get yourself more fired. Yes, anyone? Any more? No, nothing. Uh, no, I think Alan Arkin would have been quite nice. I mean, Rob Ryan is brilliant in He's it, but Alan good, Arkin yeah. maybe was going to play his dad for a while, which yeah. I, I could I could totally see. Um, and yeah, I'm sure you're going to get onto this, but I mean, are you going to talk about Danny Porush uh, throughout? Like the fact that he goes, yeah, Jordan Belfort's book, some is true, but a lot of it is bullshit. Um, I wasn't going to, but you can do that if you like. And only that he says that uh, some of it is true and a lot of it is bullshit. Yeah. Mainly that he was never, ever known as the Wolf of Wall Street. He was never called the Wolf. The whole Forbes thing, yeah. that article right. is fiction in the movie. And he made that up specifically for the book where he goes, they called me the Wolf. That's it's awesome. Like, I didn't know that. You're not allowed to make up your own nicknames. That's you're really a, not. That's a rule. Otherwise, every kid in, in the playground in the country would be called like Hero or something. Yeah, everyone calls me Hero, the cool guy. <laughs> like Paul Ince. <laughs> called himself the governor. No one else did. That's brilliant. Football. Love but it. But you knew it was football. Of course oh, I knew well it was football. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just from the words Paul is. Because he played for England. I follow international football. Oh, yeah. Mm. All right. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the film, shall we? So we freeze frame on Henry Hill. Ha <laughs> ha. Not really. So we start in the middle of this story just before the fall just like Goodfellas. Um, this is Jordan Belfort and he is at Stratton Oakmont and it's carnage. So he's 26 years old. He's making three million shy of a million a week. As if the voiceover wasn't enough, Jordan then breaks the fourth wall to tell us how amazing his life is. But you can imagine how I feel about this, but it, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I don't like the voiceover, but it's Leonardo DiCaprio and he is handsome and he's charming and he's fun and you want to find out how he got to that place and it's fine, he breaks the fourth wall. Who cares? Yeah, it's cool. How do you feel about it being Leonardo DiCaprio playing Jordan Belfort? Why? Because I've seen what Jordan Belfort really looks like. Not just that, but because Jordan Belfort, I guess we have to talk about it at some point, but we don't have to, but it's worth talking about whether you think this is an acceptable movie to make at all, really, uh, the way it's been made with him as your protagonist. Because this movie, you like him. You kind of like, you don't hate Jordan Belfort. And you never really sort of... He never gets the justice you feel he deserved and it's never shown the consequences of what he does no. in potentially the way it should. Even on even to himself, he mm. doesn't. He doesn't have a moment. Of, he doesn't have a dark night of the soul, I don't think. No. But maybe not in the way that is required. Not that isn't about him and what he's lost. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? He is... It's I don't know. It's like Gatsby levels of charm, isn't it? Like you want to you you want to follow this man because it's Leonardo DiCaprio. I mm. think he's just ever as reprehensible as you want him to be. It's always it's he's got that boyish charm still, yeah. a little bit of a, a cheeky wink in his eye, and you're like, oh, it's all just a bit of fun. Yeah. And because the movie never goes, hey, why don't we look at what the real effects of what he did to these people who did waste their life savings? Not the rich people, yeah, yeah. but the people whose lives were shattered by what he did. We never see that, so it's all. You know, yeah. about his story, which is a decision that was clearly made, but without ever sort of witnessing the fallout, you never really led to believe like, you never really, the film never illustrates the consequences. I think as well, because they play another trick where it's, it is Leonardo DiCaprio is obviously like one of the most good looking people in the world and all the rest of it. 
But Jordan Belfort is quite goofy in some ways. So mm. he doesn't do that thing where he's like, I'm Mr. Super Sharp or anything like that. Like he does dribble a lot, which is like one way of sort of uglying someone up. But you feel, yeah, you do feel a bit maternal towards him almost, like a bit protective. Mm. You want to hang out with him. He's handsome and, and so you want to like sleep with him, but you don't get to make you don't get to mock him as much as you might want to where he's being I, super suave. I mean, I think there are there are moments in this where when the government is closing in on him, you're willing him to get away with it. You're willing yeah. him like to beat the FBI and, yeah. and not be taken down by them, which is an insane way of reading that scene. You should be going, about time. This guy is ruining lives yeah. out there. That's and not, not unique to this film though. A lot of films that have protagonists who are criminals or who are bad people, you end up rooting for. <clears throat> but this, is, but I don't think so many of those films are based in the real world where the protagonists are actual real people. And I don't think they came so soon after the destruction of the lives that that person had caused, whereas this came straight off the back of the financial crisis, which had destroy people's lives so it was quite a raw open wound I mean Goodfellas wasn't too long after he'd actually killed people mm. it was it was longer than this and also that was a sort of without diminishing what he did that was on a much smaller scale I think this affected so many more people it was you know. so I listened to this podcast called American Greed there was about 1500 people um lost their life savings mm. that we that we would consider normal quote marks people like not the super wealthy so yeah. there's like 1500 people who wanted that I think, and also when he was released from prison I think he had to pay people back but I don't think he did I'm mm. not sure um, but there was an order I think that's that he still would... ongoing where he's apparently he's paid some of the 100 yeah. and something million yeah I don't know. I mean, it's they, they do. They... I can't remember who Henry Hill murdered, but I'm, was... I'm going to say, yeah, I don't know if he killed anyone. Oh, okay. Henry Hill. We did good fellas, didn't we? I don't, I'm not sure Henry Hill did actually kill anyone or they weren't sure about sending him to kill people, yeah. but he was a gangster involved in violent uh, robbery. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. I just, I just thought think... there was, I thought there was some, I just thought there was some quite boring moralizing around this film where it came out and I didn't really care. I yeah. think I'm a grown up and I can see this story and not have to see the consequences uh, for the victims. Right. I think that's, I think that's, that's a, I think that's a bit of a problem because not because of you, but because of the film. And I think it's designed that way. And I think Jonah Hill himself, I think there was an interview where he said, look, you know, there is a problem here because, you know, we're all sitting here going, yeah, but people are clever enough to sort of go, oh, Jesus, that's awful. But that's only a fraction of the audience. And yeah. the younger audience, especially the teenage boys who probably had fucking Scarface posters on their wall, they're going to see this and be like, oh my God, he's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, most people won't know, because the film moves past it so quickly, that he did scam what we would get. Again, normal people. It's easy. It's sometimes easy, maybe being British, but oh, rich people, oh, fuck them. They deserve everything, blah, blah, which is unfair. But when it's people with no money who lost their shirts, mm. we feel worse about it, but it moves past that so quickly that you don't really understand how much of that might have well, happened. Be exactly, because you're caught up with the pink slips at the start that he's doing and it's all like, whoa, he's really good at this. Yeah. And you're sort of on his journey and the consequences are just like, doesn't matter. It's, yeah. He could be doing anything. He could be Danny Ocean in Ocean's Eleven doing a brilliant heist and you're like rooting for him. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, so then the film goes back, <clears throat> excuse me, so we can see how he became this filthy rich. He's almost a Wall Street stockbroker. Matthew McConaughey takes a shine to him Ugh. and takes him to lunch to explain the game, the game being cocaine and hookers. Hmm. So this scene in the cinema, and again, I, I love Matthew McConaughey. I find the chant and the chest thumping 
just excruciating. What? I don't like it. I love it. <laughs> Goes on for too long, obviously. I love the interplay between what looks like the two actors, like sort of, and obviously you're watching Jordan Belfort not be sure what the fuck is happening mm. but oh my god just pull away from that a bit sooner not, that, was, that wasn't Matthew McConaughey do, doing that intentionally though he does that before any scene that he does it's his little ritual before they start shooting Yeah. and Leonardo DiCaprio was the one who saw him doing that and went what's that and he's like I just do it before to get out of my head and into yeah. the characters I'm not thinking and Leo went cool, we should do it in the scene. And so they reshot the whole scene again with that in yeah. at Scorsese and DiCaprio's request. I love it though. I like that what we talked about on the other episode where he's like, I want a dry martini and I want one every five minutes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> but the chest thump thing, I, I mean, it just seems a bit of, um, I can't think, like a novelty. I don't know, not my thing. I find it funny. Uh, yeah, and I like I like DiCaprio. Can't I think I like DiCaprio's face when he does it again because that was improvised because he decided well this character if he's doing it at the start he's want, going to want to see if this young Turk is on board with him mm-hmm. so he's getting him to do it and so I like knowing that that was real yeah. DiCaprio's reaction. Uh, he's still doing it, McConaughey. He just has different tunes for different characters. Yeah, I know. But he's still doing it. And I was watching him doing it. I found a video of him doing it with the Texas Longhorns on the pitch to get, to get, them, to get them going before a game of American football. <laughs> oh, I like McConaughey. Although, <laughs> my mum my mom showed this video on Instagram that she found it. She, was, she, wanted, she wanted me to start writing a journal. And... Um, And so she was like, show me Matthew McConaughey talking about journaling. And he was like going, you know, journaling is really good. And it's what I do because he's done done Green Lights, his autobiography, which is just he assembled all his notes Mm. from all his journals. It's him going, journaling is really, who knows you better than you? Mm -hmm. You know, you should really explore you in this journal. And she's like, see, like he really believes it. I'm like, Mum, it's a fucking advert for his new journal (laughs) in association with his book Green Lights that Mm. he wants you to buy. And she's like, is it? I'm like, yes, he's holding the book going, and you can do that with my green lights journal. He's a good salesman. He's doing acidic above the shoulders mustard shit. And also your mum thinks you've got an interior life that's worth putting to paper. I've doing so it, that's actually. nice. I've doing it. It's really good. What it reads really well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually really gripping shit. Yeah, I mean it's all lies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the murder I'm solving is um, it's such a and it's you so gripping. Some of the revelations into why I am the way I am just so many breakthroughs just at the moment st- all, the, all the times I had to explain stopped again on the street thought I was Johnny Depp uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy but it's really it's a really good read really so good anyway read. and you'll be able to purchase that uh, <laughs> McConaughey's <laughs> website uh, anyway it's all for naught because uh, on Jordan's first day it's Black Monday so no cocaine and hookers for him just yet uh, he's off to Long Island to trade penny stocks and like you said he's very good at it so this podcast I listen to he, descri- he said of himself, you know, I've just always been good at selling things. So when this happened to him, he was like, I'll just use my gifts for evil, basically. Hmm. And someone else described him, which I think is perfect, as a financial serial killer, which makes a lot of sense. And the psychopath thing, which they say everyone... And know him, you know, street. doesn't connect emotionally hmm. with his victims and stuff like that. So this is, this is, we won't dwell on this too much, but he gets 50% commission from these penny stocks, which is important because you, you're selling a lot, the, the figures are low. But he manages to maintain a 50% commission with his clients once he leaves that firm, which is incredible when you think about it. So they must have, they must have believed in him so much because you wouldn't let your broker take 50%, but they do, which hmm. is how he gets so rich. Um, Spike so, Jones is good in that scene, isn't he? In that tiny little role. 
Spike Jones, the film director, yeah, yeah. he plays the guy who he sits down and, uh, with at the start and goes, you get 50% commission on these? The guy talking to him behind oh, the desk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, he's good. He's great. So now we're going to meet John Hill, who is Donny, who married his cousin and he loves crack. Um, which... Did Donny mention that when he was annoyed about The Wolf of Wall Street? That's true. He did marry his own cousin. Did he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got some great lines here, though. She grew up hot. She's my cousin, so I had an in. <laughs> I wasn't going to let someone else fuck my cousin. It's just line after <laughs> yeah, line of absolute gold. It is. It is. I mean, <laughs> and then yeah. he follows up with, want to smoke crack with me, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gets an incredible introduction in this He film. does. Mm. And that's what, you know, the, the I'll just have water that we've just had with Matthew McConaughey. And now Donnie's like, do you want some crack? And he's like, yeah, go on then. <laughs> Which is good, because now we're going to be into it. So they recruit all their mates. That's, you know, in real life, he would, when he uh, set up Stratton Oatman, he wanted people, you know, pre- preferred people that didn't have a high school diploma. He was like, anyone can come and work for me. You just need the right attitude. I don't yeah. give a shit. It wasn't school. even the attitude, was it? He, he was like, basically, I can, if you read my script yeah. ad verbatim, yes. you will sell. It was like, it's the in- opposite of Wall Street, which is teaching us that these guys are masters of the universe. That's, yeah. the, that's where that comes from is Wall Street. And yet these guys are idiots. And they can they do are it. They're idiots, yeah. but they're salesmen who are taught a script, they're able to perform on cue, and that's the only skills they needed. Have you worked in cold calling? Yeah, I, I lost, have. I lost yeah. it a week. <laughs> so you do get given scripts and prompts mm. and how to deal with certain, with refusals, basically. Mm. So, it, yeah, it all felt very... I, I got that beat. I worked in cold... Well, it wasn't quite... It was sort of cold calling. It was... Attempt job, but cold calling, and it was at a, I, I won't say the brewery, but a big brewery, and I had to call all their landlords, and it was just like a, a cold call to sort of go, is it, are you happy with the brewery? Yeah. And none of them fucking were. And yeah. so I ended up in conversations with these people, and I was there for like two days. I was only going to be doing it for two days. And they were like, they like, I need this, and this isn't right. And I didn't know what to do. So I just said, yeah, we'll, <gasps> we'll, we'll have someone come down. Oh, and no. I just like, because I didn't, no one had said, if this happens, this is what you need to do. Yeah. They would, they, I think the brewery expected everyone to go, we're fine. <laughs> and they weren't. They really weren't. So I we'll was just like, right on that. We'll, be, we'll be on it. And yeah. Then I left. <laughs> You're welcome. It. You've been speaking to Alex. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> You've got to get your commission. Uh, so, yeah. So we're into like the action. They are fleecing uh, real people, basically. Um, mm. Before he moved on to the what we would consider to be very wealthy people, he was yeah, dealing and think, with. And I think if you're paying attention, you are seeing how horrible this is. That is a normal person on the other end of the phone, yeah, who hasn't got much money and doesn't want to give it to Jordan. But Jordan absolutely talks him into it. And while he's doing it, he's basically having pretend sex, you know, in front yeah. of all the other guys. Yeah. And so not only is he stealing from the guy, he's disrespecting him. I yeah. think it's all there if you're paying. Attention! They're just not hammering you over the head with the consequences. I, I think it's uh, for me. I think it's a it's, it's a very basic thing of the fact that you don't see the person; it's just a voice. So you sort of disassociate from like the person because you can't read their face. And also, I don't think that's a great example because that guy is like he's being tricked. But you're again, you're only seeing like the initial trick. You're not seeing what you need to do is see what happened to that guy later on. You want to see like that guy with nothing because of that phone call. I think that's the I, way you hammer I, home like what he was doing was fundamentally evil. I just don't need it hammered home. I, I you might not, but I think I think as you found a lot of people watch this movie and fail to really demonize what they did as much as potentially they should because the movie is this riot. I think as well some of the some stuff was left out about how you actually 
um, uh, the mechanics of the scam. It isn't just one call. So it is in there and then there's some mm. stuff that isn't. So you lure them in with the blue chip investment, which doesn't make them a ton of money, but it makes them, it's guaranteed. So there was, you know, someone made two grand or something like in a few days, but put down two, made four. Okay, so not not the, you know, not going to change anyone's life. But then you get them with a pink sheet, that, but a pink sheet that you know is going to work. So then they're on the hook for your pink sheet stuff and then you hit them with the big one. So you rule the three it and you're, you you never give them the money. You're just reinvesting it. And then by the time you, you know, when you pull off the proper scam, it takes more time than it looks like it does in the film because it isn't just one phone call mm. and then they're robbed, which is context, but maybe it's not very exciting. And, and Yeah, and I think he said himself and it's in his book that it took a lot longer to get to the really, doing the really criminal stuff. Yeah. Mm. But obviously they're making a three hour film so it's all yeah, and then down. when they were sending, when they started sending companies public, they would underwrite these pink sheet companies so that they couldn't fail, which is highly illegal mm. and all the rest of it. So then Forbes makes him a star by calling him the Wolf of Wall Street, and the FBI starting to take yeah, notice. To, to be fair, although they didn't call him the Wolf of Wall Street in real life, that article does exist and is what mm. is what happened. Um, what is it? I've got it here. Stake stocks. What's the difference? Wolf of Wall Street is a much better title for that article. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we meet um, Rob Reiner as Jordan's dad. And this, there are so many scenes in this film, as much as I love the way that Martin Scorsese does everything like this, that you could lose because they're like sketches. So, <laughs> But this isn't one of them because this is awesome. When he's talking about them picking Hello, the phone. Hello, cheerio. Funny as fuck. <laughs> but also that dad thing of like the phone going, who the fuck is that? And it's like, that feels very familiar yeah. to me. He waits all week for the fucking equaliser. <laughs> <laughs> and just the mum just sitting there like, just it's just normal. Like it isn't violent. It is quite aggressive, but... You're just used to that level of noise in the house and he's just talking to no one. It's so brilliant. And then the thing with the English accent is such a weird detail, but it's very funny. Um, But then again, so one scene that's like a sketch that I could just do without. So we move to some of the, you know, some of these scenes that are too long for this film and not funny. So they're in the boardroom, uh, Jordan and his guys and uh, Donnie, and they're having a very long conversation about throwing a little person at a dartboard and it just goes on forever and it's not funny and it feels like he said to the actors you just riff guys and everything you do is gold and it's like just lose lose it all yeah I mean I've got two I feel like they're trying to show us the way they're dehumanising the people they're using yeah. in terms of, of strippers and here it's dwarves but yeah I absolutely agree like they all start quoting the film Freaks yeah which is a film I love and I believe that Terence Winter and Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio and Joan Hill have all watched the 1930s movie Freaks. I don't believe these blokes have, no. let alone that they're quoting it in a boardroom. So yeah. it doesn't ring true to me. Uh, Danny Boris, this is one of his things. He was like, this didn't happen. We were not disrespectful to, in his words, the little people who we were using as human darts. Yeah. We didn't talk about them in those res- in that respect. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I mean, he can say that. But then I heard Jordan Belfort telling a story on, um, oh, my God, this is how low I got this week. Uh, Logan Paul's podcast. Wow. And it was, so two charming blokes chatting to each other and he's telling a story that he couldn't, the publishers wouldn't let him put in the book and the filmmakers wouldn't put in the movie about how awful, how bad it got with the way they treated uh, sex workers. Yeah. And so, yeah, they might not have talked about dwarves like this, but stuff got really sick. And I won't tell the story, but it involved a gangbang and a champagne bottle and it is just foul. Ouch. Um, yeah, I mean, there's another scene. It made me laugh, but it's it, again, it felt like two actors riffing when Jordan Belfort is talking to his dad. He's like, you won't believe what women do <laughs> these days. And then when he says they're bald from the eyebrows down, <laughs> I was laughing my head off. But then his dad's going, oh, I prefer a bush. And it's like, does, is this a real relationship? Like, I know some dads and sons do 
Josh like that, but it didn't feel like that was the truth but of their relationship. It might go some way to explain why he was the way he was mm, if yeah. his dad talked like that to him. Yeah. Um, so dad warns him that the chickens are coming, warns Jordan that the chickens are coming home to roost, but not yet they're not. So we're underwriting private companies. <laughs> not for and, a while, really. No, yeah. for fucking ages. Um, and what you do, you send a company public, you hide the early stock with your rat holes, which restricts the supply. You sell the rest of the supply at a higher price, then you dump the rat hole stock, you give the rat hole people a kickback. You've made a load of money. The person who's bought your stock, the value of which nose dives, they have lost all their money. That's how that works. And so Steve Madden is a big deal for them. So Steve Madden is a friend of Donnie's. Hey, it's so funny. It's funny as well because do you, ever, do you shop in TK Maxx? You probably I do actually. Do you? So and in the I don't know what it's like in the men's shoe section, but in the women's shoe section, you can't move for Steve Madden shoes, and no one wants them. <laughs> and I don't know what they're not. They're not that nice. But you never see Steve Madden shoes. I don't ever see Steve Madden shoes apart from in TK Maxx. And every single time I do, I think is that because of Jordan Belfort that your shoes <laughs> can only be in TK Maxx? But there's nothing wrong with TK Maxx. <laughs> no, they're still but... a multi-billion-dollar company. <laughs> They're quite, they're quite successful. But he hasn't got... <laughs> and he's still, I think he's still, he got, I think he had to step down because of uh, some element of fraud. I can't remember the details, so yeah. I'll be careful. But but yeah, I think he, he came back as a consultant for the company and they're still really successful. Yeah. I think they're an American brand. I think they've got, yeah, high street presence in mm. the US maybe, but you just, it's just TK Maxx here. Played by Dustin Hoffman's son. Oh, really? Is that who that is? Mm. I did not know. Bit of, bit of trivia. Mm. A little bit of trivia. Chilly oh, trivia. <laughs> back again. Back again. And on that note, we'll have a break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Join Luke Moore and me, Pete Donaldson, for an unplanned half hour where we discuss life's great mysteries like can a man survive by eating roadkill as well as the week's most bizarre news stories and your ridiculous adventures like this one about an almost catastrophic shortcut. We eventually came to a large railed fence which I decided we should climb, a scale to 15 foot-ish fence. And as I was sat atop, ready to jump down, three or four police came running from a little building we hadn't noticed before shouting at me and grabbing my mate Sam. I was faced with the choice of legging it onto the other side of the fence or gallantly going back to help my friend. I returned to Sam, and the quite pissed off police and my gallantry was rewarded as they advised me that I had been climbing into the zoo and would have landed in an animal enclosure. Listen to The Look at Pete Show wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Luke and Pete Show is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Um, so, yeah. So, Donny, I mean, it's hard to talk about this scene because all that happens is Jonah Hill says Steve Madden for ages, <laughs> but I can't even think about it without laughing. It's very, it's just very, very funny. And it's, the, you know, I don't understand Quaaludes. I've never taken Quaaludes. This this film is not a good advert for Quaaludes. It sounds and looks horrendous. The loss of control. Ow. Fancy some? I spent so long Googling Quaaludes mm. after this movie. I, you, They're trying to synthesize. Rich people are trying to synthesize. I bet the they are. Are they really good? Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, apparently so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got to believe they are. But it seems like a very slow drug and like, I don't know, is there like a connection with other humans? That's the sort of, I don't know. It I just, think it's... It's like ketamine. The, but where I think so, but whereas ketamine, maybe it is. Well, I guess it's a tranquilizer as well. And this is this is why I'm so interested in them because if, if they're like ketamine, then people wouldn't be so fascinated with them because people would be like, oh, you mean quaaludes? Well, we have ketamine now, but yeah. they're not. They're like, ketamine is over there in Quaaludes. I think it's something else. You just have to look at the fun that Jonah Hill is having trying to talk to the Swiss banker leaning on the table. And ketamine, I can't imagine you doing that where he's like, trying to talk to him. Yeah, I think And you're like, he's having the best time. No. Although, although I wouldn't want to be jerking off in front of my wife. That's what I mean. In the middle of the a party. The loss of control. That would, that, be, that would be bad. That is not a, that is not a fun I'm, night for yeah, me. Yeah, I've only done that once and never, never again. <laughs> and she didn't leave him, so it was absolutely <laughs> fine. She, in fact, she was into it. So. Well, she's his cousin, <laughs> They're still always going to see each other at family events. <laughs> but the, also the other point of this scene is that Jordan meets Naomi in Wall Street. I there's a lot going on about why those, that scene didn't work, like behind the behind the scenes stuff. But I do hate this scene, which I've seen so many millions of times. You've got like an ice cool blonde, and she's not into you, and she thinks she's too fancy for you. But you're going to prove to her, blah blah blah. Whereas at least in this, they meet each other, and like she says really quickly, they're not going to be friends. They're just into each other, and it's like that's good, that's refreshing. Mm. And I hope it was like that in real life. I feel sorry for Teresa, but also she's in this film. She's a bit unnecessary, maybe. That being his other wife. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, we got some pointless stuff with the butler who has orgies. It's really fun. Oh, that is pointless. I forgot about but that. But the butler's brilliant. Totally pointless. He's great, but it's, it sort of goes nowhere. <laughs> just They mm. hang him over the side. It's just for the effect of hanging someone over the side of a building. Yeah, it doesn't add to the character. It's not like, well, now we've gone too far. It just doesn't. It's, yeah, not needed. Uh, Naomi and Jordan get married and we meet Joanna Lumley, which is just crazy to see her. Uh, not entirely pointless because this English aunt will come in handy later. So everything's good. So Jordan's got the big house, the big bolt. But it's 18 months later. And just in 18 months, now they, Naomi and Jordan absolutely hate each other. <laughs> what a great tragedy. You had to pay them in cash with your hands. <laughs> That's such a good line. That is good. <laughs> it is good. And it's hard, isn't it? Because when the way that they met, she would have known he was married, but he's sleeping. What's the sex work called? Venice. Venice, yeah. Venice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's off. like, who the fuck is Venice? And he doesn't think quickly enough to say Venice is in Italy. So like, don't worry about it. <laughs> so he's playing the guilty um, Naomi is, so this scene I think about this scene quite a lot so she uh, she accidentally flashes in front of the nanny cam and she doesn't mean to because she doesn't know it's a nanny cam or she doesn't know it's switched on or something and I remember that scene really well because I thought they were going to make up and I wanted them to make up and then I just hated him for letting her do that because he could have he still could have won the point in the relationship but he could have stopped her from doing it because he knows the nanny cam is on and he lets her do it mm-hmm. to, and I knew then that he, he, he didn't love her and I just wanted it to, I was ready for them to fall out but I wanted a beat where they went up and it was all good it's it, interesting I feel like Scorsese's he's teasing you to like Jordan he's constantly teasing you pushing yeah. you to like him and then pulling back by you see or hear something else and then obviously at the end you get quite a major reveal of who Jordan really is and it's quite shocking actually because we've been enjoying this ride with him and he's been telling us who he is all the way through yeah um, we, like, that, like I think that scene with um, where he just mentions an, as, as an aside that someone in the office committed suicide um, because he, they married someone who'd given everyone in the office a blowjob. Oh, yeah. And so it's yeah. all played for laughs and then they just keep sticking these little things in that you're like, yeah. this is much darker than we're being shown. Yeah, he's a wrong... This scene where he lets her flash, he's mm. a bad man. Sorry, so are you saying that at the end where he obviously he punches her, he got yes. punches her, are you saying that he was that person all along in the I film? Think, I think potentially we've not been exposed to him doing things like that. Interesting. I didn't read it as that. I didn't think it was like... I didn't read the film as being like all along he's been capable of that. I, I read it as like this is what he's become as a result of a combination of probably the drugs, the financial stuff and, you know, the monster he's become as opposed to he always had that in him. I think they give you these glimpses of of this being hell as well in those scenes in the office where it all looks like fun and there's pop music or rock music playing and then it all slows down to that blues yeah. music and it looks like something out of Twin Peaks or Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. And it scores as he tells us, no, this isn't this isn't heaven, this is hell. I agree with you. I don't think the office the office not because I don't think the office office parties look at all fun. They look a bit fun. No, I don't think <laughs> I suppose it's because <laughs> they look they look really fun. They don't look fun at all. Um Wait, what movie are we talking about? <laughs> it's interesting that you think that because you think that it was slowed down to look hellish. I don't think Whereas, they look yeah. at all fun. But you I'm take enough my... cocaine and it's fine. <laughs> I think I'm projecting into, I'm trying to find my headspace. If, you, in if that. you're the only sober person at that party, if you're the only woman at that home. party. That's the problem. Like, 10 grand to shave your hair. Well, yeah. And there also, are, even there if you're are, a woman... There are other women who are quite... who are having a great time at that party. Did you see them having a good time? Did yeah, you see Did yeah. you see a sex the one worker who, for them? She's like, I love you, John. We will get back to that because okay. that's... 
bullshit that that happens at that moment. But did you see her with a sex worker for herself, male or female? No, you don't. You just see men shagging women. Yeah, I see. I see women jumping on men. There's a see when it pulls out. There's sex workers leaping onto men. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I mean, for money, granted, I, I was going to say there is an exchange going on. Do you think? <laughs> but I mean, so you're saying because they're wait, are you saying because they're? I'm sex saying workers? for me, a cinema goer, mm. I see that office party, and I don't think for me that looks like a fun place. I would leave that office party, even if you I don't with... like marching bands. Mm. Are you a monster? <laughs> I do like a marching band. Actually, you're right about that. I do like that, that. and terrific. I do like champagne a lot. Vicky, uh, a party's what you make it. Yes, <laughs> you can't just sort of look like go. Oh, this this party's not for me because of this. You find something fun what? to do at the party okay. that you like. <laughs> Let's go back to post podcast at Alex's house. Reasonable party. <laughs> I mean, at the time we thought it was great. We did. I mean, in hindsight, we weren't too sure. Don't, 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 don't picking holes in it now. <laughs> but if a marching band had come through, yeah, it's fair be better. Yeah, it would have been a really brilliant oh, party. So suddenly I'm the bad guy because I didn't fucking organise a marching band for my house party. <laughs> yeah, I had to buy the booze. Anyway, <laughs> we both bought booze. <laughs> Can we do? I just I resent the implication that there was no booze and Chris had to buy the booze. He he straight up just lied. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, it's time to I had to to bury that booze in the garden. (laughs) (laughs) I decided to stop drinking, but it was all there, so I buried it. You didn't. No. You could have sent him on with a doggy bag, not do stuff like that. That upsets me. Um right, so (laughs) (laughs) This party's awful, but burying booze is worse. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so we're going to take Steve Madden public. Jordan rallies the troops, telling them to hit the phones and you know, deal with your problems by becoming rich. The speech is brilliant. It's too long. And I hate saying things like that because it's so obvious in a film with this runtime, but it's just too long. It just loses its impact is, a bit. This is his greed is good speech, really, yeah, yeah. isn't it? It's his. This is his Oscar speech. This is his big moment. Yeah. Nobility, there's no nobility in poverty. Yeah, and it works because the firm makes $22 million in three hours. But that means the FBI are drawing in. So you get this the brilliant scene on the on the yacht. So Carl Chandler's agent Denham, who we haven't spent we've really not spent that much time with him, so we don't know how much he actually knows about what's going on. So when when he gets on the yacht and Jordan's showing off and he's like, Have you ever been in one of these? And he's like, A boat. <laughs> Which I just thought was so <laughs> So I think that's really funny. And it, yeah, it looks like he's going to fall for the bribe and he's playing this sort of schmuck that's like, yeah, you do seem to have everything, but no, no, no. He's a cold-eyed shark who's going to get his man. So Jordan throws a lobster at him, which I also like. Yeah. He's very good. He's brilliant, yeah. Very really good. good. And he's going to get a girl to lick caviar off his balls. That's so funny. But that's such a, one of those scenes where you're like, do we hate this man or not? Because you're like, I was like, well, good for you, Jordan. Do you know what? You probably are. And you should. And why not? And, and if, but, you've, if you've watched those interviews with Jordan Belfort, you can imagine him saying that. Yeah, of you course. You can see an innate charm to him. It's more, you know, he's from the Bronx, but he was reminding me of those guys on Jersey Shore. Yeah. That I found repellent, but also quite funny and think I'd have a laugh go yeah. for a drink with them. And that's what I was seeing in Jordan Belfort. He's obviously got a real smart mind behind that. This is that. the thing. This is, it is a miracle because I, 
even the even his attitude towards women. I think if me and Jordan Belfort met, I don't think he's going to like me. But I want him to like me, which is ridiculous mm. for a man like that. But I really would want him to hang out with me because I'd have a brilliant time. Mm. And that is although the it trick. was funny watching that that it was only a ten minute clip from the Logan Logan Paul whatever it was YouTube podcast, and it felt like he was trying to get Logan Paul and Logan Paul's mates to like him. Oh, really? Mm. It was almost like he was trying to impress them with his stories of sexual daring do, and it was like, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that there's an insecurity there as well, which yeah. is also but probably is a is a tool that he's learned because you know his entire job was convincing mm. people to like him. You're right. He's an actor. Yeah. He's an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we've got to launder some money now, and we've got this. Um, oh, I'm sorry, we must must mention the inside head voiceover with uh, Jean Dujardin as a Swiss banker, who is excellent, but. I don't. I don't need that. Absolutely, don't need that. Like I, I, the constant voiceover, I hate. I don't like the inside head voiceover, mm. even though it's funny. Because you can, those actors can do. It's like you said about Al Pacino. Like they, let them just do it. I know. It's uh, there's a lot of tricks and ticks to the filmmaking in this movie. Mm. It throws literally everything at yeah. it. And I don't know why. And then this scene. I'm only going to mention it because I wanted it not to be in the film, but. Jordan convinces Aunt Emma to set up the Swiss bank account and they nearly kiss and another inside head voiceover. And it's like, you don't need any of that. Like, it's fine. But I think we're meant to go, oh, gross. An old woman could get off with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, That's no. what... Aren't we going, oh, gross. This is your wife's mm. auntie. No. Like, you're, this is a relation. No, I don't think and, and I think, obviously, you know, I think a lot of this stuff is real. This is what he was thinking and doing in real life. And it's like, wow, when you can't get any lower, you're going after one of your relations. But yeah. I think, and I think that's the thing. And I think. If it's in the book and it reads funny on the page, they've decided to put it in the film. Mm. And that's why we get stuff that is is kind of funny, but inconsequential to the story of the film, which is kind of weird when you think, you know, Scorsese, he's made a few great films. Uh, And and yet he's just sort of gone. I mean, it must have been a choice to just sort of go, that's funny on the page. That's a funny scene. Leave it in. Well, the first (laughs) three hours is fine. The first cut they did was four hours. But you know, no one's going to go and see that, so they they struggled to get it down to three. Um, so now, anyway, we're on the descent where the Act Two low point is kind of shouting at us to get a move on, and Donnie's got some lemons. <laughs> mm. Now, this I, I shouldn't say things like this; it makes me seem awful. But what a great tip to purge so that nothing fucks up with your um, with your drug experience. I'd never thought. Uh, of it. Well, I wrote down how bad has it gotten that you're feeling the need to puke and give yourself an enema. It's a brilliant idea. The last thing you need. I feel like last thing. How bad is it? How bad is it going? How bad is where you're not doing that and just like fuck it, I'm lazy now. Shovel it all in your face. The fact that he still treats that drug taking experience with With that level of respect. Mm. Or do you think they're just not taking effect anymore and he's having to do these things to give himself this pure experience? I thought that initially, yeah, Mm -hmm. but it kind of does make perfect sense as well. Um, So anyway, it takes four, but it turns out they do work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a delayed reaction. <laughs> it's just a delayed reaction because they're old. So it got me the first time in the cinema and it got me again where he's on the phone and his voice goes and it's the funniest thing I've ever heard. It's And it's so perfect that he can't understand why he can't be understood and it all spirals out of control really quickly. And he's got an internal VO there, which is fair enough because he can't speak. But when he's just like, well, walking's out, that's it's so brilliant that he's not panicked as well, Like, which will be the drugs, but obviously will be his experience as in he's... He's taken a lot of drugs before, so this is no big deal. And he crawls to the car. 
And again, you know, the cinema just went nuts when I was watching it in the cinema and at home. It's still such a rewarding thing. <laughs> the cut thing. to the way he's sitting behind the wheel of the car yeah. as well. And the, and the state of the car and the flashback. Oh. And that's where the narration does work. And it does work at points in this film where yeah. it's, you know, it's enabling you to get double the joke, really, yeah. where he's commenting on what's happening. And I would normally be cross with the, the switch where he's like, and I got home and there wasn't a scratch on the car. And then when you see the car, but it's so brilliantly done and it's so funny. It's fine. Um, Donnie's choking on a meat platter and so Jordan has to pop eye up with Coke and save it. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so funny where he's looking at Popeye <laughs> down the spinach and he's like... <laughs> yeah, because that's the, that's the real relationship in this film. I don't know if it is in the book or in real life, but he's that's his buddy. Like he's got to say, he's got to do what he's got to do, and he's got to save him. And Naomi's bloody useless in that moment, just like screaming. She didn't even try. To be fair to her, and yeah, it, that's that's his real love in this film. Is 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 his mate, and he couldn't let him go. I'd love it. It's brilliant. Anyway, uh, I didn't read it as that because I think there's a look on his face there in a moment where he's like. Do you want? Because Donnie has just screwed up everything uh, yeah. by getting uh, uh, John um, oh, Bernthal's character arrested, and he's, uh, he's he's like, there's a moment where he's like, I fucking hate you. So yeah, much. but I love you. Yeah, and I have, I have to do this thing. Or, but I can't have a dead body in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which it is. Yeah. Um. So it's, uh, all of this, it's time to step back from Stratton Oakmont. This I'm, I'll be quick, but the big speech where the the broker is called Kimmy, and she's one of the only mm. women in the building. There's I think there's two, and he does this story, which is actually quite exploitative to pick her out of the crowd and be like, "When I met you, know, basically say tell everybody how brilliant I am because when I met you, you were penniless." But she loves it, and she's like, "Yes, I was, and I fucking love you, Jordan." But at this point of the film, we've come so far. It's a bit much to be like, all of a sudden, you're this great guy, and you really helped this single mother when she was really down on her luck. If I'd met her before, properly met her, I might buy it. But at this point in the film, you're trying to go, he's actually all right. And it, it it's so false and unearned. Do you, uh, again, I don't know that... Uh, I don't know, we're meant to think he's all right. I think we're meant to think that they think he's all right. It's this, it's mm. this trick that he's pulled on all his employees yeah. that, you know, because they're all getting rich with him, it's like... They don't see the monster. They just see a man who has made yeah. them it's millionaires. Very, yeah, it's very performative, isn't it? Well, it's exploitative because of all the people in that building, mm. he could, he picked on a single mum, and he so there's only two women in the whole building. So he, you know, chances are he helped a lot of men as well, but he doesn't use them for his example because he wants to say, I, actually, everything I've said about women and the way I've treated them doesn't matter because I'm actually brilliant. Yeah, um, which is him doing it as a character. I don't think it's the film doing it for us, though. Okay, okay, that's fair. Um, so Emma dies the boat then Naomi has to go to Monaco he does good face acting when he finds out Emma's dead though doesn't he because yeah. we know why he's <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah why can't Naomi like see through his bullshit she, I, I love her but he's like I, I'm so sorry that your aunt has died and she, no, she's never like why do you care she's like oh okay great but we need to go back to London for the funeral I think it's a problem with the character yeah um it's brilliant that they all, you know, this yacht seat you probably could do without the actual storm, but it it looks good. I and... remember because you know me, I love a, I love a bit of action, bit of an action sequence. But even I, in the cinema at this point, I was I was shuffling. Yeah. I was like, I don't need this. I, yeah. I do not need a whole I guess, storm sequence. And I guess the trouble they've got is that it's just so remarkable all these things that happened. <laughs> That's you know? what I mean. And like even the plane crashing, I think that did happen, but it happened three days later. But of course, you'd collapse it to them because yeah. it's it's sort of playing with the truth only a little bit. But it's not really necessary. 
but they just can't stop themselves because it is such an un- incredible story. And it actually, there's one moment here, which is a really real moment between people and characters and stuff, where Naomi and Donnie and Donnie's wife, because they've they've almost died and then they've been rescued, they're just dancing there mm. and they're happy. And Donnie and his wife are like physically closer than they've been for ages mm. because they've they've cheated death. Mm. And so when you've done that, you're like, let's just celebrate. We're just here and we're just going to have a good time. And Jordan is separate from that. Because he doesn't feel that sense of celebration because his life has become such poison and all the rest of it. And him going, oh, look, a fucking plane crashed, mm. takes you out of that. And you, you just sit with those emotions for a minute. Mm. Anyway. So, yeah, getting to the end. Um, this scene that you've talked about, Chris, after Jean Dujardin is arrested and everything's uh, spiralling um, out of control for Jordan. He's mm. a grenade. He's a sure thing. He's going to prison, but he should. So Naomi threatens to take the kids because he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life. And it all gets very nasty. She, she does an actual fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. Wow. That is intense. It's, it's an intense scene. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And he doesn't get it as well. That's the other no. thing. It wasn't like part of their normal thing that they would do. He's like, why are you being like this? But he's like, I don't care. I don't think his ego could imagine that that's what, what's happening. Here. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's dark. Um, really dark. So, and also he steals his daughter and, and everyone, you know, the women in has like, what are you doing? Because you've not really shown that much interest in your kids. So mm. I don't, the, see, the film isn't saying this, but it, it, it does also overtly resist the temptation to say, she's pushed me to do this kind mm. of thing, which is bullshit because he doesn't give a shit about those kids that God, much. And when that car crashes and that kid sort of knocks Smashes her head. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, bad, very bad. That's another little bit of a, the bit where he chops up the cushions to find the cocaine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting idea, isn't it? This idea that, you know, on the one hand, you think he's got sober for him. And then you sort of think, oh, maybe he's sort of a part of him has got sober for her. And like the minute she turns on him, he's like, well, why the fuck am I doing this then? I wasn't really doing it for yeah. me. I'm going to go get my drugs out <clears throat> yeah. of the sofa. But he didn't really do that. He did chop up uh, some upholstery with a knife, but that was after, while he was still on drugs and he was he lost a, he lost a rock of crack in the sofa. And so oh, he no. chopped up a sofa looking for it. I mean, I've lost change down the back of the sofa, but <laughs> yeah. not a rock of crack. <laughs> um, so he wears a wire to reduce his sentence, but he makes sure that Donnie doesn't fall for it, which, like, which you know, makes me realise again... I I think their relationship is the big one. Mm. Um, and then he does go to prison and then we end. And so on this, I just, I've seen it twice and I still don't really get what the ending is telling me because mm. he's at a wealth creation seminar and it's full of regular guys kind of thing, like normal looking people. So is the film saying, or does it not matter? Or is it not meant to be clear? Everyone would do what Jordan did if they had this, the sales techniques that he can teach them. Like everyone's capable of that. Or has he fallen low because he's dealing with poor See, people? This is the thing. I this is why it's a really questionable end. Because not only do you have Jordan Belfort cameo in the movie, he's the obviously he's the guy who introduces yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio on stage. The actual Jordan Belfort, which is kind of an insane decision and really reinforces this idea that you ha- are not calling this guy out on what he's done because you've put him in the movie. Mm. So he gets to go, yeah, I'm in the movie uh, about my book, about my life, which was, I did horrible things, but here I am on a cinema screen in a Hollywood movie. But I think the ending is sort of like, I think it fits into the mould of the idea, and I don't know whether I know this because I know he went on to have success as a motivational speaker, so it might be Mm. clouded in that. But it's this idea that, He's our hero and you want a happy ending for him. Yeah. And he, but, he basically he carries on working. But it's but it's 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 not a happy ending for us. It's what happened. 
it's showing us. I mean, as you said, this guy's made millions doing seminars, hmm? doing uh, this kind of um, what you, inspirational speeches and things. And those people that look at him like he's God at the end. And it's like, yeah, this there were no consequences for Jordan Belfort. He had an easy time in prison, essentially. And then the thing that the thing that really confuses me is normally in a film like this, we'd see the um, agent. Uh, the Carl Chander agent go home to his family yeah. and see his happy home life. Yeah, he's, as, he's got as, the real stuff as the mm. contrast. Yeah. And they chose not to do that. Yeah. He's on the subway, looking miserable, like Jordan telling me told him he would be. Yeah. that's that really threw me. Yeah. It was like, oh, so so does this guy have regrets then that he's brought Jordan down? Does this guy have regrets mm. that he's not in that position? Yeah, so that was my reading of it the first time. I don't know whether it's meant to be that blunt, but I was like, you know, there's a part of him thinking, should he have taken the the money on yeah. the boat? I think I really think <laughs> it is, which is, I, I, I like the balls it takes to, to put that in your ending because yeah. I don't care. I don't need my films to be, to, to have a moral compass and to, to teach me lessons. And it's like, <laughs> wow. And you know... I don't either, and I know I've banged on about this, but the thing is, I think you can have the ending, because like you say, it really happened. So mm. the movie is going, this guy did not pay the price. You no. know, he was sentenced to 20 years, he did 22 months, then he's back out, then he hasn't paid the restitution to these people, then he's like making a shit ton of money he's from a huge selling star. this book. He's a huge star, right. people love him. Exactly, yeah. so all of that. But if you show the audience who've been on this journey, who might not know the history of Jordan Belfort, they've just watched this movie, if you show images of what happened to the people who he swindled. You get to have your cake and eat it. You get to show this is reality. He's gone on to have this success, but he left that trail behind him. And without showing that and making it all about him doing 22 months and him then finding his feet again as a motivational speaker, you, you, you don't give the full picture. Would you have been happier if they'd had it on screen? How many people lost how much money if that flashed up at the end? I mean, Would that make you feel better about... Showing that other side. I'd rather see it. I'd rather see it in, what so, do you in want some. To see? I don't. Well, I was thinking about that, actually. I don't know whether you sort of like, you know, you show images alongside that. I want to see it, like images of the people, couples, families, you know, or images of the foreclosures that took place and, uh, you know, every, all of that, you know, people being ushered out of their homes. Mm. And then you have the figures on screen. I just think something mm. that encapsulates that side of it. Visually in the film, it might be quite good. And Scorsese would put a banging piece of music over the top of it, wouldn't he? He'd have some Rolling Stones playing while people get kicked out of their homes. (laughs) Um, That's it. Um, We're done. Any more? Interesting. I will say one thing that I didn't mention earlier is I, I do think this is a film, you know, Scorsese had his issues with addiction when he was younger. And I feel like this is a film about addiction. Like in the scene with McConaughey where he's talking, when he's when he's in the restaurant, he's talking about getting him on cocaine. He's trying to get Jordan Belfort addicted and then the jo- to, to, to what he does. And mm. then the job is to get other people addicted to what they're doing. Mm. And I feel like this is Scorsese's addiction film yeah. without it being explicitly about that. And it's it's either, it, obviously it's, it's, it's front and centre about drugs, but also it's about this greed. It's getting people addicted to the rush of yeah. making money. Well, because you're making a lot of money and you can't believe how easily you've made it mm. in, compared to... The, the amounts of money are hard to conce- you know to conceive they're, they're too staggering but if you've ripped someone off and you've just made a million dollars you're making a million dollars a week by making a few phone calls effectively the rush must just be ridiculous mm. because that is easy money um, and it would be addictive <laughs> and that's the problem I think with both these films but more The Wolf of Wall Street where you do sort of go 
Should have fucking gone into finance. <laughs> We'd be very good at it, would we? <laughs> but by the sounds of things, you don't really need to be good at it. No. You just need someone like to go read the script. And you're, like, you're probably smarter than Rugrat. <laughs> yeah, wigwam in real life, by the way. That was his nickname. It's just the cold calling thing. We've all had jobs where we did cold calling, and we we weren't all like, "I love this job." Like we hated it. But then I, I, when I was temping yeah. <laughs> in the brewery offices, I wasn't being paid. You know, I was I wasn't going to make a hundred thousand dollars off the back of that call. I'll tell you. What, I'll tell you really quickly. I worked somewhere where I could make a lot of money by making calls. That I, and once I found out it was a scam, I left. But for a few weeks, I did make for me a lot of money, and I was like, "This is." fucking awesome because it wasn't like but I, I soon twigged what was going on and then I did leave because of the ethics yeah because because the boss was scary but because we just got into a pickle because I found out it was a scam and I didn't realise and I sort of called someone out but not like hey you how dare you we just had this awful thing which very quickly something was meant to go to a place and I knew that this place was further away than then she told me it was and then it was a this web of lies just unravelled in front of me mm. and I was like oh my god and the scales fell and I was like this is all a scam uh oh and then I left but it was I couldn't have stayed so how long were you selling PPE for government <laughs> she's, she's, uh, she's the wolf of Tom's pod <laughs> MPs mates because <laughs> they're, they're having to bury all that in rubbish tips now <laughs> But for a mate, for a student, because she was like, you can make as much. It's it's true what they say in those scripts. The amount of money you make, it's it's up to you. How many calls can you make? How many can you bring in? Yeah. And then you bring them in, and it, I was like, I can pay my rent for fucking six months. This is this is a lot for me. So it was that, a, that doesn't give too much away because we were living in my rent Park. Was really, that's exactly. <laughs> what I think you were living in there. that in that house in Manor yeah. Park. My yeah. rent was two hundred pounds a month. Mm. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, right. Let's do the, what. I do love called. Manor Park, by the way, but that house wasn't the best. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, let's do the bits then. So, what was your best scene, Chris? Uh, the scene where he takes the lemon. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit obvious, but I, I, it, it's it, Scorsese films. I find I like this work like this, where there are scenes I look forward to and get excited when they're coming up. Yeah, and that's definitely in this film. That's the scene I'm waiting for. What about you, Margot Robbie? Day Fair enough. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I uh, was going to say I, the thing I was going to say is that reminded me of uh, not literally her nude, but. Cameron Diaz, when she showed up in The Mask, I mm. think there's not been as big a moment in cinema for yeah. an actress showing up on screen mm. as that, where it's like, wow, you are a superstar within a minute. Yep. There's a, there's a, a big conversations about whether they digitally altered her for that scene to make her legs longer. Wow, okay. Mm, yeah. Gross. No one's ever confirmed or denied it, but that's, uh, they, they, I think it was shortly after this new tool had been invented. The leg lengthening tool. Genuinely, a, digit, oh, a, a, way, of, do with that. a way of altering uh, people's appearance digitally to, uh, um, not my words, but specifically actresses to increase the length of their legs. Wow, mm. what a day's work that is, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. And also how offensive to her. And... It's just airbrushing now, isn't it, I guess? Yeah. But on a, on a... I'm just, I would think about stuff like this a lot. Like, she is so good that it worked out for her because it's her first big gig and she gets absolutely everything off. And if it doesn't work, it's so exploitative and it's exploitative anyway. But in the sort of parlance of like, or the currency of Hollywood, at least she got something. Sure. Um, anyway, so sorry. Sorry, my actual scene, which you're probably going to like even less, uh, is the Matthew McConaughey scene that Mark, when he plays Mark Hanna and the chest beating. And I just think that, like that scene was sort of, this was in the period when Matthew McConaughey was just on a, Fucking roll of amazing like stuff like Dallas Buyers Club, True Detective, and you can just tell there's a guy who's just so confident with what he's doing, and he just—it's amazing. I think he's great, and he explains, 
you know, the essence of trading to me in a way that Wall Street didn't. Cocaine and hookers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mine is too many ludes, obviously, like just trying to get in the car. Just the way that it's shot to make a flight. Everyone is, you know, bad acid. Everything seems very far away. And that's how you get stuck in rooms. Yeah. And you're like, why have I been in this bathroom? For now, this is your bathroom story yeah. with mushrooms and bathrooms in you. Yeah, it's it's a recurring thing. It's happened more than once. And <laughs> fucking Amsterdam I was in this bathroom for a very very long time, and all I needed to do was step a foot, and I just That's couldn't. That's why do I it. had to piss in that plant. <laughs> <laughs> Let me in. But the, to me, the flight of steps just got warm. It's like, yep, yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, your MVW, Alex. <laughs> there was a part of me that really nearly picked Matthew McConaughey because um, he's great. Uh, and I think it's funny that he would go on to win the Oscar that year, uh, the 2014 Oscars for Dallas Buyers Club and beat Leonardo DiCaprio to the Best Actor Oscar. I think it should have gone to DiCaprio. He's my MVW. I know he won it the following year for The Revenant. To me, this is so much better than yeah, his performance in The Revenant, uh, which is sort of one note and grizzled and you get that. I don't think it's a test. This, he's from here to here, like every different emotion, comedy, darkness, nasty, nice, funny, charming, ugly. It's like he does everything. Uh, But really, it's because of that dance he does at his wedding, which I just still cannot fathom how his fucking body moves. Yeah, I thought, I was like, is it CGI'd or something? Like, obviously (laughs) people can dance. I didn't know he could do that. It's so good. So yeah, it's it's 100% Leonardo DiCaprio. This should have been his Oscar movie. What about you? I'm glad you picked uh, DiCaprio because my serious answer is Jonah Hill. Um, but I've got a non-serious answer. Okay. Uh, I'm. Uh, my other answer is Malaysian businessman and international fugitive Jolo. Right. Who did you read about Jolo? No, I didn't. Yeah, he's part of the. He's the man behind the scandal. Okay. With the money, so he, the, 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 the they call it the uh, the one MDB scandal. It's the, uh, where is it? Malaysia Development Berhad Scandal. And he was siphoning $4.5 billion from this account into his personal account. But he liked hanging out with famous people. That's why he got involved with financing films. And there's just some amazing stories about him. So he bought, he bought Kim Kardashian a 325 grand white Ferrari. Um, he bought, do you know Miranda Kerr? She's yes. a famous model. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can yeah. picture it. She's married to Orlando Thingy. She might have been. I think yeah, maybe she was. She was. Yeah. Um, Orlando Blue. Jesus. Orlando yeah, yeah, Blue. yeah. She's married to Katy Perry. Yeah, but before that, I think oh. I think he was with this girl. Yeah, I mean, when you see Jolo, he doesn't look like he should be going out with supermodels. But yeah. he uh, gave her eight million dollars worth of jewelry. Right, and he gave DiCaprio a Picasso, a Basque, and uh, he bought him Marlon Brando's on the waterfront Oscar. Oh, I did read that, and he had to give it back, didn't he? So DiCaprio <laughs> thanked fugitive businessman Jolo uh, in one of his award speeches around this time before the shit hit the fan, and then the shit did hit the fan, and so yeah, all these people had to give back Miranda Kerr had to give back eight million dollars worth of jewelry. <gasps> DiCaprio had to give back all these gifts. Miranda Kerr apparently there's a million dollar. Um, piano that won't fit out of her doors they've got to get back somehow <laughs> um, but this is how this is how bad it got in January 2020 Jordan Belfort sued Red Granite for $300 million wishing to void his rights deal um, he said he would never have sold the rights to the production company if he'd known where the film was being financed from <laughs> really? so he's looking down on them yeah that's that's a bit much so uh, Jolo is the reason this film got made right. but also let's I want to see 
see this story next. Yeah, that's <laughs> <a good> <laughs> <laughs> Sequel. Uh, mine is editor Thelma Schoonmacher, which it tends to be, I think, when we do a Scorsese film, unless it's actually Martin Scorsese, because she's just a magician. And I think... For me, like loving script, I want to see a rise and fall story. And I'm thinking about Goodfellas the whole time. And I don't actually have a rise and fall story here. It isn't Jordan's, bear with me, it is not his excessive lifestyle or the way he spends his money that brings about his downfall. If he'd made what he was making and lived a quiet life, he's still going to jail because it's the way he makes his money that's the problem. He doesn't have a lapse of judgment. He doesn't do any of those sort of hallmark things in a rise and fall. So you can't quite latch onto the script in that way. But the editing how stylish everything is. You're mm. just hooked on what's going on in mm. front of you. So the combination, obviously, of Leonardo DiCaprio and Thelma Schumacher, but she's she's the reason that I would I wanted to watch this film again. Um, so yeah, she's amazing. Uh, when I interviewed her, she said she doesn't she doesn't deserve any plaudits or any awards because it's all Marty, and she said I don't even need to be there, but she does. And yeah. she's she's incredible. And she's such an amazing woman. Yeah. Uh, what would you change, Alex? Uh, uh, a simple one this week uh, for me uh, lose half an hour I, I don't care how you do it well I do but just lose <laughs> half an hour this is half an hour that could easily be lost two and a half hours I can sit and watch this for Like, and you're right the editing it's so frenetic what's happening on screen both in terms of the content like, uh, and also the way it looks that you, it does whiz by but even for every trick in the book and every sort of like curveball and every surprise it can throw at you by the end, you were still like, "Ah, oh, this is it's nearly it's nearly three hours I've been sitting here, and it, fatigue sets in." So I just lose uh, half an hour, and I probably wouldn't put Jordan Belfort as a cameo uh, at the end. I think it's um, a bad decision. And you uh, show us show a negative side to the life. <laughs> 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 I'm messing about. Uh, or am I? I felt, or am I? I thought I said that enough. Or am I? I, I or am I? Um, no, I think the film should be longer. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, what I mean, no, what I mean is... What I mean is... I've never given him Haribo before an episode again. <laughs> it was too tangy. Um, no, what I mean by that is I think we need to... I'd like to see and hear a bit more of Naomi's perspective. Yeah. Exactly like he did with Karen in Goodfellas. Yeah. You know, we got to hear her in a monologue in Goodfellas and she's such a strong character and Naomi's interesting here but the real life Naomi doesn't see herself as sort of a cynical heartless gold digger and you know she was ambitious sure but she was married to an addict and trying to keep her family together yeah that's how she tells the story of why she stayed with him through through the bad times and I think we need a little bit of that yeah I I agree uh, mine's sort of similar to that. It, it's like halfway between the two of you. I, you might have to stick another five minutes on because <laughs> everybody needs a classic Act 3 moment. Jordan gets his Act 3 moment because he's released from prison and he does his motivational speaking. But what happened to Donnie, fictional Donnie, and what happened to fictional Naomi in this world? Mm. Because you've been... Donnie and Jordan's relationship is more the beating heart than Naomi and Jordan's. So there's no excuse for sort of leaving him out of that, that Act 3 resolution. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And even sort of, like Chris said earlier, even text on screen. So what we need is to know what happened to the other principals and also yeah. the damage he did to people's lives visually in the film. Yeah, because otherwise the moral button on it all is on Jordan Belfort's shoulders right. and it's not, he can't carry that because it's not clear what you're supposed to think of him or all the rest of it. I very much agree with your change. I think that's a good change. Right. Are we done? Yes. Hell of a movie. Hell of an episode. Hmm. Hell of a verdict. I'm intrigued. I actually don't know which way this one's going. It's been hard, actually. Right, let's do the verdict then. Oh. 
I was, wasn't it? I was doing it. I know you were, but there's got, there's got to be the little sting of, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson oh, popping up. Do you think going, he was trying to steal your joke? Oh, no, it's not my joke. It's just, I'm just aware that there was no break in it. No. So, right, let's you do... You can't handle the truth! You know the little bit that comes up? <laughs> yes, I know the little bit that comes up. All right, up. you're just sort of blank-faced. <laughs> All right, Clash Potters. <laughs> don't call me blank-faced. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> Are you finished? <laughs> you, you just did look. I didn't know what else to say. I didn't want to say gormless. <gasps> so I didn't say that. Carry Alex. On. Yes. All right. Let's do the verdict. <laughs> Good for you, Chris. I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased with that. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Okay. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. Uh, Vicky, why don't you go first? Oh, thank you so much, Chris. All right, as I've said, it's a bit tricky. On the one hand, all right, Wall Street, I think, doesn't have as much energy as it's very static for. Maybe it's just because I'm more of a modern audience, but when I see trading and stocks and whatever, to get me past the fact that I haven't got a clue what's happening, I like a lot of energy. But I do like that Wall Street doesn't have the rise and fall. You, One of you didn't like the fact that Bud doesn't take much cocaine, but I quite liked it because... That was Chris. Yeah, was he's, he's not like the sort of traditional, like, he rips tons of coke. And then he's, yeah, he's Haribo. <laughs> and then he's going to fall because his vices have got the better of him. However, I'm really not mad on Charlie Sheen. And I think putting him up against his own dad just makes him look inadequate, which is, you know, there we are. Blank-faced. Blank-faced and gormless. Um, Leo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio, is obviously amazing. However, Gordon Gecko is like is legendary and because Michael Douglas is so good. So then we're coming down to like, I'm just doing it in sort of like scores. Margot Robbie beats Daryl Hannah, obviously. Um I There's think, a movie. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hey. All right. Uh, let me get to the point. Uh, Oliver Stone's direction is not energetic. It feels forced arty when it's arty. The Wolf of Wall Street is not Martin Scorsese's best film, and I hate the voiceover, but on balance with all these other elements, Wolf of Wall Street is better. Okay. That's one mm. for Wolf of Wall Street. Alex, why don't you go next? You sure? Yeah, I am. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Uh... So I like one of these films and I love the other. Uh, I think, worryingly, both films are more aspirational than they intended to be, certainly for people who have that propensity to park their morality for wealth. Uh, Structurally, I think Wall Street is much better uh, as a movie. Wolf is way too self-indulgent and gets repetitive. Uh, I think uh, Wolf, however, has more memorable moments than Wall Street, but you probably would do if you put everything you shot in your film but the one I love, uh, my vote this week, uh, features, in my opinion, better performances. It's funnier, but mostly because it's more impactful due to its proximity in time to now. And that is The Wolf of Wall Street. That gets my vote. So we have a winner. We have a winner, which is The Wolf of Wall Street. Chris, <laughs> tell us what you would have gone. Well, Wall Street is one of the most influential films of all time, which is saying something. Um, and in Gordon Gecko, I think it's got one of the great characters in movie history, But I do think Bud Fox is kind of an empty vessel. And I think it's quite a black and white story, whereas Wolf of Wall Street plays out in that grey area, which is much more interesting to me. The fact that there isn't a redemption, the fact that the message is quite ambiguous, the fact that that FBI agent is quite miserable and Jordan's out there making a fortune now. I feel like that's more honest about the world we live in. And I like the fact it doesn't judge the characters all that well. It makes it much more challenging film and I think it makes it a much better film. So as much as I love Gordon and Wall Street, I'm going for the wolf. 
Wow, three for three. We've had a few of those recently. Mm. Yeah, Get Out last week. Mm. Obviously, Godzilla 2014. That's not <laughs> even a conversation. So, yeah, another three But it was three. obviously close for all of us this week. I think we're all agreed. Yeah, yes, indeed. Indeed, right then, The Wolf of Wall Street is our winner this week. The poll will be going on our Twitter page, at ClashPod, if you'd like to vote for what you think the winner should have been. All right, ClashPod is in control. Continues next week uh, with another listener pick. We're nearing the end of Clashpot is in control. We'll be back in control soon. See how you like that. But for now, Victoria, you gave a clue. What was the clue? The clue was, I've started to laugh because Chris has started laughing already because it's that good of a clue. Mm. The clue is... That's what Chris laughs at, good things. <laughs> Does X mark the spot? I haven't a clue Fucking hell, clue It's such an awful word. <laughs> Just... <it's>, oh. <laughs> oh. Right, come on. <laughs> right, Alex, you're watching National Treasure, which is available on Disney Plus and Apple. Yes. And Chris, you're watching The Da Vinci Code, which is available on Netflix, Amazon and Apple. There you go. Good job. It is National Treasure versus The Da Vinci Code. That is our pairing for next week. Don't forget to do your homework. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. We'll be back on Monday talking National Treasure. Have a great weekend. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.